0: Section 51 of a History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by S.S. S. Kim, Seoul, South Korea. A History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume 4, by Henry Charles Lee. Book 8, Chapter 10, Spheres of Action. Political Activity Part 6 When early in December, Philip at Tarazona held the solio in which he confirmed the acts of the Cortes, he followed it with a general pardon, liberating all those prosecuted by Dr. Lentz except the jurists and returnants of the Justicia who had counseled resistance and who were punished with exile. Cosme Pariente, an unlucky poet, was sent to the galleys as the order of the Pasquines, which had stimulated the revolt, and there was another significant exception. Philip's inextinguishable hatred of his favorite still kept in prison, Juana Cuello and her seven children, the youngest of whom was born in captivity. Thus they languished for nine years until their jailer had passed away philip III third signalized the first year of his reign with pardoning those accepted in his father's edict and in april fifteen ninety nine juana was set free she hesitated to leave her children the eldest of whom was in her twentieth year but she finally did so to labor for their release which she accomplished in the following august the friends of perez sought to have him included in the royal mercy but were told that his offense was a matter of the inquisition, with which king could not interfere. Before relieving Aragon of his army, Philip caused the Alhaferia to be fortified and lodged there a garrison of two hundred men to keep the turbulent city in check. To this the inquisitors objected strongly and asked to be transferred to some other habitation, but he refused as their protection served as an excuse for the garrison. They never grew reconciled to their unwelcome guests, and in 1617, and again in 1618, we find them complaining that the soldiers exercised control over the castle, and that their audacious pretensions diminished greatly the popular respect due to the holy office. Their remonstrances were unheeded until, in 1626, Philip IV, as a special favor, transferred the garrison to Haca perez and his friends had succeeded in reaching Bern, where they were welcomed by the governess catherine sister of heli the fourth imagining that a small force would raise the aragonese in defence of their liberties they persuaded henry to try the experiment to be followed in case of success by an army of fifteen or twenty thousand men to wrench from spain aragon catalonia and valencia and to form a republic under French protection. In February 1592, therefore, some 1,500 or 2,000 Bernese under the leadership of Martin Lanusa, Hilde Mesa, Manuel Don Lope, and Diego de Heredia attempted an invasion, but the Aragonese rose against them. Embarrassed by the deep snows in the mountains, they attempted to retreat but were vigorously attacked, and most of them were taken prisoners, including Dionisio Perez, Francisco de Ayerbe, and Diego de Heredia. Vargas liberated the Bernice, but the refugees were sent to Saragoza, where they expiated their treason on the scaffold. In spite of this misadventure, Perez was warmly welcomed and was pensioned by Helen Fourth as a personage of importance, a statesman versed in all the arts of Spanish diplomacy. The peace of Vervan, however, in 1598 reduced him to insignificance. Age and infirmities overtook him, and his adventurous existence terminated in misery, November 3rd, 1611, when he manifested every sign of fervent Catholicism. After his death, Juana Coelho and his children undertook the vindication of his memory and solicited to be heard in his defense. It was not, however, until January 22nd, in 1613, that the Suprema presented to Philip III a consulta recommending that the widow and children should be heard by the Zaragoza tribunal. Sentences rendered in absentia, as you have seen, were never regarded as conclusive but the tribunal was unforgiving. it interposed delays, and then, on march sixteenth sixteen fifteen it rendered an adverse judgment. This the suprema refused to confirm and after an obstinate resistance, the tribunal on June nineteenth was forced to alter a sentence observing the memory and fame of Antonio Perez, declaring the limpieza of his blood and pronouncing that his descendants were under no disabilities. Nothing, however, was said about removing the confiscation of his property, probably because this had been decreed both by the secular sentence of July seventeenth, 1590, and by the inquisitorial one of October 20, 1592. Thus, in this, the most prominent instance of inquisitorial political intervention the Holy Office was invoked only as a last resort when all other method has failed, and when it was called in, so far from being the obscure instrument of royal will, it resolutely sought to advance its own interest with little regard for the policy of the monarch. Yet, the impression made at the time is reflected in the report of Venetian envoy Agostino Nano in 1598, when he says that the king can be termed the head of the inquisition for he appoints the inquisitors and officials. He uses it to hold in check his subjects and to punish them with secrecy and severity of its procedure when he cannot do so with the ordinary secular authority of the royal council. The inquisition and the royal council mutually help each other in matters of state for the king's service. This was not a natural conclusion to draw from a case of this nature, but the royal power by this time was too securely entrenched to require such aid. It was only the peculiar feature of the Aragonese pharaohs that called for the invention of a charge of heresy in political matter. The inquisition as a rule considered it no part of its duties to uphold the royal power, for in sixteen o four we find it sentencing Bartolome perez to a severe reprimand, a fine of ten thousand maravedis, and a year's exile for saying that obedience to the king came before that due to the pope and to the church. Thus the mere denial of the superiority of the spiritual power over a temporal one was a crime. Sporadic cases occurred in which special considerations called for the aid of the inquisition but they were not numerous and were apt to be directed against ecclesiastics whose privileges exempt them from the secular court such was that of the jesuit juan de mariana distinguished in many ways but especially by his classical history of spain he had served the inquisition well as a censor of the books but in his tractatus septum published anonymously at cologne in 1609 in an essay on the debased spanish coinage the freedom with which he reprobated his evils and spoke of the malfeasance of the officials gave great offence to the royal favourite lerma and his creatures had mariana been a layman there would have been no trouble in punishing him severely but to reach the jesuit philip invoked the papal nuncio carafa and the toledo tribunal took a hand the whole proceeding was irregular and the Pope was asked to render the sentence, but after a year's imprisonment, Mariano was liberated without imputation on his character, and he died in 1624, full of years and honor, at the age of 87. It is true when the Barcelona tribunal was battling to maintain its pretensions against the Cortes of Catalonia, it represented in 1632 in a memorial of Philip IV among its other claims to consideration the secret services often rendered in obtaining informations and in the arrest of powerful persons which could not otherwise be so well accomplished its thorough organization no doubt occasionally enabled it to be of use in this manner and there was no scruple in calling upon it for such works as in sixteen sixty six when don pedro de sosa the farmer of tax Milones in Seville, absconded with large sum of money and was understood to be making his way to France. The Suprema wrote to Barcelona and doubtless to other tribunals at the ports and frontier district with a description of his person and an order to arrest him and embargo his property. The persecutions of two fallen favorites, Rodrigo Calderón in 1621 and Olivares, in 1645, was not state affairs but intrigues to prevent their return to favor, and were rendered unnecessary in the one case by the decapitation of Calderon and in another by the death of Olivares. The secrecy of the Inquisition and its method of procedure rendered it a peculiarly favorable instrumentality for such maneuvers as was seen in the Villanueva cases as well as for the gratification of private malice and it was doubtless frequently so abused but this has no bearing on its use as a political agency with the advent of bourbon dynasty there was a change in the governmental theory of louis the fourteenth the church was part of the state and subject to the dictation of the monarch in the desperate struggle of the war of succession the advisers of young philip v had no hesitation in employing all the resources within rich, and the inquisition was expected to play its part at an early period of the conflict the suprema sent orders to the tribunals to enjoin earnestly on all their officials fidelity to the king who thus had the benefit of a well-distributed army of missionaries in every quarter of the land it was easy as we have seen for inquisitorial logic to stretch the elastic definition of heresy in any desired direction and lack of loyalty to philip was made to come within its boundaries in an edict of october ninth seventeen o six the suprema pointed out that clement eleven had threatened punishment for all priests who faltered in their devotion to the king Yet, notwithstanding this, there were some who, in the confessional, urged penitents to disobedience and relieved them from the obligation of their oath of allegiance. This was manifest abuse of the sacrament, and as it was the duty of the inquisition to maintain the purity of the faith and prevent the evil resulting from a doctrine so punishers, all penitents so solicited were ordered, within nine days to denounce their confessors under the pain of excommunication and other discretional penalties. The inquisition during the war was especially serviceable in dealing with ecclesiastics who were beyond the reach of secular and military courts, and this in cases where there was no pretense of heresy. The events of 1706, the capture and loss of Madrid by the allies, and the revolution in Valencia and Catalonia occasioned a number of trials for high treason. The Suprema was still in Burgos when Philip V informed inquisitor general Vidal Marin that he had ordered the arrest of Juan Fernando Frias, a cleric who was to be delivered to the inquisition of Burgos to be tried for high treason with all speed the suprema replied august thirteenth that it had placed fria in safe custody in comunicado. the inquisitor-general had commissioned the prior of santa maria de palacio of logroño to serve on the tribunal and there should be the least possible delay in the verification and punishment of the offence it assured the king that he could rely on the promptest fulfilment of his wishes and of the vindicta publica for the apostolic jurisdiction of the suprema extended to the infliction of death penalty. In its royal zeal, it took no thought of irregularity. Indeed, the suprema seems to have issued commissions to tribunals to act in such cases. In 1707, Isidoro de Balmaceda, inquisitor of Valencia, signed himself as inquisidor y juez apostólico contra los eclesiásticos diffidentes. In the case of Fray Peregrin Beralt, lay brother of the Servite convent of Cuarto, whom the testimony showed to be an adherent of the Archduke Charles, industriously carrying intelligence to the allies, and on his return spreading false reports to the disturbance of men's mind in this trial the formality of clamosa by the fiscal was omitted the inquisitors had the testimony taken and on receiving it ordered the arrest of geralt without submitting it to calificadores from this time forward the inquisition was at the service of the state whenever it was required to suppress opinions that were regarded as dangerous though when its interests clashed with those of the crown the cases of Macanas and Belando show that it could still assert its aggressive independence. As the century wore on, however, it became more and more subservient. A writer about 1750, while regretting that it did not repress the probabilism of the fashionable moral theology, gives it hearty praise for its political utility. It is not only, he says, engaged in preserving the purity of the faith but in an ingenious way it maintains the peace of state and the subordination due to the king and the magistracy in his words philip v made use occasionally of its tribunals in difficult conjunctures with happy result and therefore he honored and distinguished it throughout his reign thus as its original functions declined a new career was opened we have seen how its censorship was utilized to prevent the incursion of modern liberalism, and its procedure was simply employed against individuals. With the outbreak of the French Revolution, its vigilance was directed especially against the propagation of the dangerous doctrine of popular liberty, and any expression of the sympathy with events beyond the Pyrenees was sufficient to justify prosecution. As early as 1790, Jacques Jorda, a Frenchman, was tried by the Barcelona tribunal for propositions antagonistic to the spiritual and temporal authorities, and prosecutions for such offenses continued to be frequent. In 1794, during the war with the French Republic, even so important a personage as Don Antonio Ricardo, general-in-chief of the army in Roussillon, was on trial by the tribunal of madrid for utterances in sympathy with occurrences in france and at the same time his secretary don josef del borque was undergoing a similar experience in the Logroño tribunal work carried on in such a fashion could not fail to be disastrous this prostitution of an ecclesiastical tribunal to temporal purpose was one of the reasons given by the cortes of cadiz for its abolition even his chief defender, Fray Maestro Alvarado, could not deny the accusation, but he turned the tables by ascribing the fault to the Jansenist, to whom the Orthodox attributed all the evils of the time. It was they, he argued, who mingled religion and politics, and set the states above the Church. He did not live to see the refutation of his dialectics, when Ultramontanism triumphed in the Restoration and the political functions of the inquisition became still more prominent in eighteen fourteen a copy of the treaty of july thirtieth with louis eighteenth was sent to the tribunals in order that they might enforce the clauses appertaining to them and when in eighteen fifteen the news of napoleon's return from elba was received king fernando by an order of april eighth Included the tribunals of the inquisition in the instructions given to the military and ecclesiastical authorities to keep watch on the frontier against the surprise and to guard the interior against the artifices and seductions of the disaffected. In fact, we might say, the chief work expected of the inquisition was that of the hot police for which its organization rendered it especially fitted april eighth eighteen seventeen we find it notified that the refugees general lenovales and colonel peon accomplices in the attempted rising of juan diaz polio in galicia was hovering on the portuguese border the tribunal of santiago galicia was therefore to put itself in communication with that of coimbra it was to devise means for their capture and through its commissioners and familiars find out what was on foot for the security of the throne and the altar required of the holy office extreme vigilance under existing circumstances the inquisitor-general forwarded this to galicia with orders to execute it at once at once at once and not content with this instructions were sent to the tribunals of murcia Cordoba zaragoza and barcelona all of which responded with the promise of the utmost activity and the watchfulness of uh, reactionaries so in eighteen eighteen the logroña tribunal reported that its commissioner at ernai guipúzcoa reported that he had heard the person utter a proposition la nación es soberana to this the suprema replied that it was a matter of high importance and might lead to great results. Yano must make a formal denunciation with all details. Also, he must declare why he suspected Don Josep Joaquin de Mariatechi, and how he knows of his journey to France and England and his relations with the refugees there, all of which must be done with the utmost caution and speed, and the result be reported. It is scarce worthwhile to multiply trivial details like this, to indicate how efficient a political agent the Inquisition has become under restoration. Its activities in this direction continued until the end, and when in the revolution of 1820 at Seville, on March 10th, the doors of the secret prison were thrown open, the three prisoners liberated were political. End of section 51